I am so pumped for today's episode. I am going to be welcoming Christian Stallnecker. He is a Grammy-nominated writer and producer. Christian is versatile in a multiple of genres with his journey starting in Christian music, then moving on to pop, R&B, and hip-hop. And now he's a number one country producer. From Florida to L.A. to Nashville, he has had a massively successful career. He has toured with Destiny's Child, Christina Aguilera, the Backstreet Boys, and more. His notable credits, and listen to this, people, include Snoop Dogg, Jordan Knight, El DeBarge, Donnie Wahlberg, Boys to Men, 50 Cent, Michelle Williams, Warren G., Travis Barker, Montel Jordan, Quincy, Eric Benet, Lil Wayne, Day 26, and Ludacris. Yes, I said all of those names in one sentence. Since moving to Nashville, Christian has collaborated with artists such as T-Pain, Rick Ross, Whale, Kane Brown, Chris Young, and many more. But his most significant success is as a husband to his beautiful wife and as a father to four amazing girls. I am so freaking pumped and honored to have you and your crazy self here, Christian. I cannot wait to have this discussion with you. But before we kick off, please tell us what do you do and who are you? I think you just said it all. <laughs> uh, and that's about it. I'm a dad, like you said, got girls that are all in sports, basketball, soccer, and running. Jaden is what she's finishing her senior year this year as I think she's sixth in the state and third in small schools as a runner. She just got a D1 scholarship to college. And other than that, I know who I am, but don't know who I am. And I think a lot of that is just because, and not to jump right into it, but I think a lot of that's because you got to be whoever you need to be when you walk into a music studio any given day. So I've always said that I wanted a painting in my house that had a bust and a neck and then no head and then five hats because I don't really have a head, but I wear a bunch of hats. <laughs> Definitely would love to dive into that. This versatility, that's one of the things that have led to this incredible success and ride that you're on. I would love to talk about your personal experiences and insight with both the rewards and the challenges of balancing your family with this versatile music production career. I guess let's kick off from the start. What really led you to follow this path full time in the music industry? There's an old saying that. My grandfather was a blacksmith. My father was a blacksmith. So I'll be a blacksmith. I don't know if anyone's heard anything close to that saying, but I was born in a church revival. My parents were in music. My grandmother and my grandfather are in music. They were all in Christian music. My grandmother's the only woman inducted in the hall of faith with Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell. My grandfather was on the board of the Southern Baptist convention. My father. My mother and my aunt and my uncle had a band and they were signed Christian artists. My dad wrote some notable Christian records and did that whole thing. So I guess it was just kind of in my blood. It was in my family. My parents got divorced while I was 10 or 11, moved with the mom, of course. Then at 16, my dad took me to LA with him while he was working on a new project and his producers heard me 
playing around and then when is it time for your son to get in the game kind of thing. So it was just kind of always going to go that way. I was six years old singing in front of 40,000 people a night on tour with Carmen, who was a humongous Christian artist in the eighties. My dad was his musical director. Carmen thought it was cool that I was six and I would come out and sing a little solo to open his show and stand on a big anvil flight case in front of 40, 50,000 amphitheaters, stadiums. There were just revivals, crazy Christian stuff in the eighties. What part of your path led you into more? Cause I think after you Secular. went from Christian, it was, yeah, into pop. The reality is even hearing you say, oh, he started his career in Christian music. I never really thought of that as my career. It's just my faith. I love the Lord and I feel like God gave me my talents. I don't think I remember wanting to be in Christian music. I still write Christian music now with friends. I've got records on Unspoken and We Are Messenger. I work with a buddy of mine, Michael Farron, who's crazy. He's written all kinds of stuff. Real good friends with everybody up at Curb. I mean, like you said, I've been in multiple genres and Christian is also a genre. I write everywhere, have pen, will travel, but I didn't want my career choice Christian music. That's my testimony. And I'm always a Christian wherever I go. But even with the newest Kane Brown single that I had the pleasure of writing with some buddies, thank God, how many non-Christians do you have thanking God for their spouse or their significant other in this song every night in an amphitheater? So if the point is to get the message out and he blessed you with that person that's in your life, I think I've reached more than a lot of Christian writers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Huge congrats to your success. That's actually how we reconnected. I've known Christian for quite a few years and I was driving down West End on the way to hockey practice and I see his beautiful mug on a billboard. <laughs> And I'm yeah. like, no way. Like, how cool is that? You've lived in so many different places. And I would love to talk about influences coming from LA, then Nashville, from family to what you're experiencing. What are some of the things that are influencing your production, the music, and the words that you write? Um, yeah. Well, all of that, number one. Now with social media, influences are everywhere. As a, a writer, I'm a sponge. I'm always thinking just conversations. I'll be having a conversation with you today and hear something that you say, a little three words, and I'll write that down and it'll be a song idea for me later. The different ways that people see things and view things and respond to things. It's a story. Everything is a story. I love that about myself, but I also hate it about myself because I'm always listening for things or thinking about things. I'm halfway into some conversation. I'm halfway somewhere else in my head, but I love it. I love it. You know, as a matter of fact, I have a writing session today after this meeting and he just walked in the studio and was like, man, let's just take your boat out. We'll write the song on your boat today. It'll just inspire us. Vibes are good vibes and there are negative vibes. That's more of what I'm doing these days. It used to be harder before but now there's a lot of great vibes and it's about staying away from the negative vibes. We were talking earlier, just kind of catching up a little bit before we started recording. And 
talked about the changes in both of us. We both have very significant changes and transitions and how lucky we are, even sometimes when it was sadness or it was not knowing who you are, the journey to get to now. Could you talk a little bit about some of these important things that have happened in your life that are giving you these positive vibes and life is good vibes today? Was it always like that? No, it's never always like that. That, (laughs) It's never always like that. And I don't know how it is for other people, but for me, I'm known to stay in things and just ride it into the ground. And I, I hate to admit that more negative things have caused positive things in my life. You know what I mean? Um, If that makes any sense. Of course. I feel like growth is that moment of discomfort when discomfort becomes unbearable. There you go. That's exactly what I'm saying is I'm loyal to friendships, relationships, business relationships, traits, me as a person. That's the thing is like sometimes it's just hard to change. Or if you get good at change, then you lily pad this whole world and you never get anything. So that balance, I think, is the ultimate goal for everyone, whether you're loosey goosey over here or you're, you know, you're never open to anything over here. Somewhere in the middle, we're all just trying to find each other and just live a fluid, loving life. You know what I mean? And I'm just trying to write it down and hopefully make it the biggest song possible. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love it. On this show, there's a lot of creatives that come on because they think that the creative mind just has so many beautiful ways to express you being in the music and producing people who are in the film industry or preaching or, you know, international speakers. And so I think it's always interesting to get different perspective. I think the commonality of it all is that there's inspiration in love. And that's what thriving differently is to me. Like seeing someone, maybe you don't agree with them or maybe you do, but seeing someone for who they are and understanding how you can thrive alongside them, but still thrive in your unique being while helping others to lift them up. If we ever figure out how to do that and get on one page, we're going to be just unstoppable. That's why you need managers. That's why you need accountants and CPAs and CFOs and this, that, and the other, because creatives don't build the box and the guys that build the box aren't creative. You need them both. I think we do it very well in the music industry. I'm sure other industries do it as well, but you got to understand, man, I took off on my own musical path at 16, dropped out of high school, was on tour by 18, full-time, never had a job. so. I'm a little different. I think normal is boring. Who's going to say, hey, I remember that really normal guy. Do you remember him? No. (laughs) No. There's something about somebody that you remember. The other thing that you said, I'm a creative. I'm going to come up with amazing ideas that are going to move different types of people. I'm going to figure out what genre it needs to fit in. But I'm not managing. I'm not doing the accounting. You know, and at the end of the day, that's what coaching is, right? Coaching is allowing people to drive you or take different aspects of your life or your business and helping to push you beyond where you could do it alone. When you think about coaching overall and all these amazing people who you've met, is there someone who stands out as someone who's influenced you in your life to get to where you are? Yeah, 
all along the way. And everyone is either influencing you in a way that you want to change yourself or influencing you in a way that is affirmation that you're doing it right and they're not. There's the guy who we loved each other so much. His name is Mams Taylor. He owns Prime Energy Drink. He owns Misfit Boxing. He manages KSI. I signed a management deal with him, Proper Loud, two years ago. And I've got some major records coming out on KSI this year, Ed Sheeran and Elton John and stuff. I've been over in London working on that. Long story short, sorry, not your name drop, but Mams is, you know, he's taken Prime to a $1.4 billion company. Misfit Boxing is now up to over $250 million or so to go and sit with him and just talk to him and see his bird's eye view of things that I'm going through. That influences me it, it, just, just to really put things into perspective. I've got another guy who has been a financial partner, an uncle, if you will, an older brother. His name is Jim. He's out of Seattle. He's got ranches all over Hawaii. Anytime I feel like stressed or whatever, he flies me and my whole family to Hawaii or to the Montana ranch or something. Every time I ask him about a business decision I'm going through, the first thing he says is, how's the family? The people that are really doing it, they have a real sense of priorities where whatever the next decision fits into your priority lineup. That attracts me better than a person that's smiling and feeling like everything's popping all the time. I'm attracted to success. And I don't mean success necessarily financially as much as I just mean life-wise success. And that's who I'm looking at. Entrepreneur success comes from their lineup of priorities. Their talent is managing life. I think that's why entrepreneurs have actually grown in population in Instagram and podcasts like yourself, like this right here is because doing life successfully is different than doing a talent successfully. You could be a fucking wreck. Or excuse me, I can't. Oh, no, you could totally. This is explicit. I was surprised oh, you haven't dropped okay, cool, it yet. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Here's the cool thing. There's not one way to do life either. I am attracted to the guys that have the obstacles that are similar to mine. As you are attracted to the men and women that have the obstacles similar to you. We're not all supposed to be fitting in the same box. There's a bunch of beautiful boxes and we're supposed to respect every box. Respect every box. Yes, that's a good one. To me, one of the biggest things for businesses is to take more of a holistic approach. When you take a holistic approach to business, it means that there's a synergy between life and business. And I think those who are really successful do it in a really kick-ass way. Like you said, your friend, Jim, the first question a multi-billionaire millionaire asks of you is, how's your family? That right. shows that at the North Star, his impact is on people. If you act like that on the daily, of course, your messaging is going to come out that way. You're going to oh. show the authenticity. You are a trailblazer in the fact that you're Grammy nominated, you're working with some of the biggest names, but then you're also a trailblazer of how to be a loving husband and a father to not just one, not two, not three, but four beautiful girls. 
how did you balance all of this? And how can you help others do it too? I unfortunately think that I can help everyone. I think that I know what's best for everyone. <laughs> Full disclaimer, I probably don't know what's best for everyone. And everyone is allowed to come up with what they feel is best for them. But I do just feel like you got to have a little bit of no quit. You got to have a whole lot of grace. You got to have a lot of understanding outside of yourself and a lot of apologetic posture for yourself. I will say that it's not me. You got to pick the right person. I think with Natalie, I picked what I wanted. That's what it was. It's funny because my mom's been married three times. My dad's been married three times. And it's everybody's like, oh yeah, you lucked out. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like it wasn't luck. Trust me. I've dated a lot of girls. I had a lot of fun in my youth. I knew exactly the characteristic. I didn't know it until I saw it. But when I saw it, I knew it. You get what I'm saying? And just communication over the 22 years together, a lot of communication. I've been told that I communicate way more than a lot of dudes communicate. I think that might be because I'm a creative person, but I need to know what's going on and how do we feel about this and what are we doing about that? And then I still have the bull the China factory approach, even after I've communicated, but at least they know I'm about to fuck this China cabinet up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's it. A lot of love and a lot of no quit. Not to sound cliche, but having God as the head of my house, like what people don't understand is it takes a lot of, I don't want to say responsibility off of me, but like the pressure off of yourself. We're working for something bigger than us, you know? I kind of live for a bigger cause and whatever that cause is for you, by all means, you know what I'm saying? Just make sure you live for something bigger than yourself because it's a cool mind trick. Even if he's not real for him to have put this psychological thing in play where you live for something bigger than yourself, it helps you to not be selfish, to think a little bit more than just for yourself. We could just be more inclusive and loving and understanding and, and more grace amongst race, color, creed, class, anything. So I, this second go around of my career, I've really been playing a little game to make sure that I don't get big headed or cocky or take it for granted. And I just keep my head down and be humble and appreciative. Like it's just, I'm a totally different person than when I blew up in my twenties. Have my run, if I should say, not blew up, but. Because that's what I love about you too, is like there is this calmness and this amount of love that you exude everywhere that you go. You could just tell when someone has that something extra and you have that, but you also are 100% a bull in a china shop, ready to yeah. fuck shit up. In norm, those two don't fit together. You love breaking boundaries in just the most crazy, beautiful ways that are also just trying to make people feel good and coming from a sense of love and from something beyond you. I saw this quote um, in the Music Row magazine, which is a local magazine, but it's also known nationally. You just signed with Reservoir, which congratulations. I saw the EVP of creative, John Osier, I think is how you pronounce his name. He said that Christian yeah. has an innate ability to write melodies that transcend genres. His recent Kane and Caitlin Brown hit 
is exactly the kind of song Christian is so adept at creating. Music that has massive crossover appeal. I would love for you to talk a little bit about the fact that you have this crossover appeal in different genres. I honestly don't know. At a certain point, you just, it's a gift. And I don't say that to sound like I have a gift. I'm just trying to be a good steward of what I don't know that I do. It's so funny because I talked to John and Gallo and everybody over at Reservoir. There's a person in me that would love to know how I do what I do so that I could plan my day better or balance it or channel it. But the whole lightning in a bottle concept, I mean, it doesn't always work out. You write a shit ton of songs. You shoot a bunch of shots that you don't make. You know what I'm saying? You do a lot of things in life that don't work out. So it's a numbers game in anything in life. If I had to give you an answer, I grew up in Christian music, so I understand the power of moving people through emotion. And then signing a pop record deal and going on tour in pop, I feel like we were spoiled. Anyone that understands the 90s pop, like there was just timeless melodies and music that was going on during that time. It just kind of aligned for us because the 80s just started to get like electric music and electric synths and programming drums. Once computers started to come into music, you started to learn how to work with those things. And then when 90s came around, it was like, all right, the computers are here to stay. They're definitely here. We're using them to do everything. Auto-tune came out. I got to play around with even the T-Pain stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s. I just feel like I had all the best resources to play with to really cultivate my craft of melody. We say about sports and stuff, athletes are faster and they're stronger and they're bigger because of the things that people know now based on nutrition. They have resources. It's just small little twists and turns that you build those small muscles in your body that just cultivate that twitch for you. And in the music industry, the same thing has happened. There's unbelievable breakthroughs with computers and technology that taught you how to cultivate that twitch of creating melody because there's only seven chords, you know what I mean? There's only so many melodies you can come up with. You got to find ways to do it. It's the same way I do life. It's to not ever come at it from the same or need to come at it with the same approach. Like you just take what you're getting and just fucking make the best sandwich you can out of it. I'm with a lot of writers that come in. They can go nameless right now, but they come in and write the same song over and over again, no matter who's in the room. Whereas for me, I'm already confident that I can do that if I need a plan B. But plan A is to come in and just take whatever craziness is being thrown in this room and try to paint a new picture. I just love to come in new every day. I really do. You know, The creative process is unique. And also can be translated, whether it be in business or you're a writer or you're an artist or oh. entrepreneur, whatever it is, processes are processes. Could I put you through a little creative process and see how your brain goes? Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So I want you to talk through, you step in a room and you're watching what's going on in the room. You're not trying to take yourself and insert it into it. You're trying to take what these people right. are or what their situation is and their authenticity and create it into a hit song. If you were to put 
us through that process right now on this podcast. Can you tell the listeners what you'd be looking at if we're writing a song about what's going on right now? Just how the process goes? Yeah, like how would you translate something like this into a hit song? It still starts the same way, which is funny. It's, hey, how you doing? Like even whether I knew you or I don't know you, because a lot of times I get in the room with people that we don't know each other. However you see them the first time, you got a guy walk in with some overalls and a dip in his mouth, or you got a dude coming in with some fresh Jordans on and a white gold chain or an awesome girl. And she's looking like she's straight out of the eighties hair band, but you start talking and it's, what are you going through in life? If it's the artist, then you say, what do you feel you haven't said yet? I always say that. I'm always like, what have you not said yet? I don't want to do what anyone else has already done. If I can help it. What's undone in your life. Music to me is fucking therapy. If we end up hugging it out and you're crying and you need to get something off your chest, whether or not we write that as the song, it was about the relationship to me before anything else. I would just figure out what it is you're trying to say. What is the thing that is screaming in your life? And then if you're like, but I don't want to write about that. This is actually what I want to talk about. Cool. Then we'll do that. But it's to find a direction, a broad direction first. You know what I mean? Do we need to up-tempo? As a writer, I love to write mid-tempo ballads. That's just my thing. I'm good at it. It's just enough of a story, but it doesn't slow down too much. You're not going to have a a crying fest, hopefully. It's just a feel-good. It's a pause in the day. It's some feel-good. And I think it's because that's just where I'm at in my life at this point. It's a feel-good, but it has a bit of a meaning to it. It's got an aftertaste. So I like to write those. Um, what's funny is that people love my up-tempos, which whatever. I'll do up-tempos. I just wrote one called Give Me a Sign. That's uh, going to be coming out on some buddies. Anyway. <laughs> Give me a sign. Oh, he's putting a little plug in. I was just thinking about, I love the up-tempos, but I'm a mid-tempo kind of guy. And uh, I, I like spreading the love, especially where love is needed. That's what I would do. I would try to just figure out like, what you want to say, and then just based on some shit that pops out your mouth, I can already tell what you would say in a song or what you could get away with in a song. I've been doing this now probably, what, 25 years or so from professionally signed. Professionally signed at 17 and now being 43. I don't know, you do the math, whatever that is. Long ass time. Yeah, 20-something years, almost three decades. Number one album in three different genres. The thing is I'm only as good as the artist in the room. That's what I used to tell one of my daughters. You're going to get to an age in sports where that coach is not there to coach you. They're there to coach the team and you need to bring the best you to the field. It's the same thing with music. We should all be in this room because we're good at what we do. So now we need to let the room tell us what game we're playing. And that's just how it works you talking about the artists and just saying that you're only as good as the artist it is that other centered because you're really writing the music and the lyrics and all the different things for this artist you're getting in there and connecting with who they are at the core that's why I wanted to ask that question because a lot of these concepts do have quote-unquote business models that you can use in very unique ways so if I were to take just what you said Your success is actually a gap analysis. So you're taking 
what's currently happening in that artist's life, what the ideal state could look like, and filling in the gaps, what's missing. And you're sharing the message in the what's missing. Just hearing you talk about it, I was like, I didn't know what strategy would go with, but I think that's interesting is because if you're not a studier of business models and how to make things work in that way, it still is translatable. And don't get me wrong, that works for me. There are people that come in and pride themselves on being what you need. Who they are and what song they're going to write is what you need. Whereas I have just played the numbers game and felt like there's enough of those dudes out there that I'd rather be the guy you want than the guy you need. There are people that come in and write a song, or if we take this in business terms, I might do a terrible job of this, but the point is, hey, we need to hire this guy to give us direction. Or, hey, we need to hire this guy to come in and see all the pieces that we are and just figure out how we can direct ourselves. There was a me Instagram little picture of a leader, and one of them was like the guy in the front dragging the whole people behind them and pointing this way. Or there was a guy behind all the people like whipping all the people like to go this way. There's a driving force. And then there's, I'll show you, just follow me. I think this is my second win because I used to walk in and feel like you came to me. So you must need me to just give you something you don't know you have. And so that was the first part of my career. But then as I relaxed on the cockiness and started like kind of leading with love and with the confidence that if I need to drive, I can, but let's just see what kind of car you have. I've just enjoyed that. People ultimately feel like they're in it with you and you're trying to find something together rather than sitting back. And if you don't find what they think they need, then you're the asshole. You know what I mean? And that's the difference between managing and coaching, right? Managing is basically here are the directives, here are the certain goals that we have to hit, now go do it. Coaching is really taking and saying, hey, what's unique about you? How do I bring that out to augment anything that we're going towards and make it even better than you or I thought was possible because we're now doing this in collaboration. There are certain aspects we're managing and saying, execute, this is how we're gonna execute, but it's that coaching finding the true North Star, finding what's going to resonate, where the collaboration lies, and then driving it forward as a collective unit while challenging each other in growth. Yeah, And I think the beautiful full process of that would be if you can coach into management, which is which way you need to end up heading, but you need to make sure you got everyone in order to head that way. There is a point in a writing process where you're, you're fumbling around on purpose. You're kind of letting everyone find what they want to say, who they want to be, feeling you out, you're feeling them out, and you're starting to write and hear some ideas. And then that coaching turns into management where it's like, all right, let's say this here then. Let's sing this here. Let's do that. I think you get the full fold if you're doing it the right way. Because... Management can't come in hot if they don't coach up and see what they got. I love that. And it rhymes. Look at you. (laughs) Management can't come in hot. 
they don't coach up and see what they got, bro. Hey, I love it. They have to live together, right? Yeah. There's a time and place. But if you're just managing, it's not going to work. Right. That could be two different people. Our human nature is codependency. You don't have to be both of those people in the room. But you got to have both of those people in the room. But if you got to be that person, you definitely got to lead with the coaching first before you can manage. The only way you can be a good manager is if you allow for that coaching room. You know what I mean? If you don't have the confidence in yourself, then you can't even allow the time that's needed for the development of the situation. It's never the person. That's what no one understands in life right now is everyone's taking everything personally and none of this shit is personal. Even if it's invisible, even if it's an argument with your significant other, there is literally a situation that is not either one of you at all times. If you lose sight of the thing that you're both looking at and start looking at each other, that's when shit fucks up. And you can battle through lyrics. You can high five through lyrics in a studio. You can say this shit didn't work out. You can try things, run up a track, come back the track. As long as you see you're both looking at the same thing, you're not looking at each other. That's how you got to approach problems. That's how you got to approach successes and failures and differences and everything else. There is a thing and it's not you and it's not me. It's a thing. Right, that's some profound shit right there. And it's true. It's like elevating yourself out of the situation saying this isn't personal. Let's rumble. Let's have these discussions. Absolutely. And I think you even touched space on it earlier. Having an inclusive environment is going to create this synergy of creativity and different ideas and inputs coming in. And that's where progress gets made, whether it be social progress, but also project progress, getting this moving in the positive direction that you want to an endpoint. Not to throw all the different terms at you on the business side. There's visionaries and implementers, and they could be two different people entirely, or they can switch roles depending on the nature of the situation where your visionary right. is your creative go-getter push the boundaries, see how far we can go. And your implementer is like, fuck yeah, I got you. Let's make this shit happen. Yeah. This beautiful mixture of visionary and implementation happening on the daily when you guys are in a studio or kicking off a project. I don't think you can implement if you don't already have the vision. A lot of people come in and they write a song this way or LA writes the song Melody First. Nashville writes a song, Story First. Rap and urban pop music writes a song, Track First. Whereas rock might write a song, Riff First. I worked with a girl from Berlin and she came out here to my house and we should have probably written a pop song, but she was so excited to, about writing a country song with me. So <laughs> we did that, but you go, how do you like to start? And she, she likes to start with melodies, which is cool. I did that in LA a lot. It was a breath of fresh air to move here to Nashville and start writing from the story first. The bottom line, is, I think there's an order to the chaos. You want to shake it up and find some new visionary stuff, but you definitely need that before you can implement it. You got to have a vision. Whereas sometimes we like to stand backwards, upside down on the top of my couch and come up with the lyric. I think I take the business side to a different direction. 
I really slow roll the beginning because I don't know where we're going, where they're heading, what's happened in their past, what their dreams are of the future. You got to walk in and understand that, like going back to what I was saying, that there's a thing in the room, there's a problem, there's an issue, there's a goal, there's a something. You got to come in coaching first before you're leading because the people in that room and what they bring to that room that day has to be checked before you can even move forward. You know what I mean? I think it's really understanding someone from all different aspects. If you're taking this approach of, okay, I'm going to help you grow in your business and life and in the way that feels unique to you, I have to know what's working, what's not working, where you want to go, what motivates you, what are the things that make you unique, what are your interests, what do you never want to do in your business, what's your budget. There's so many things. I think that's the problem with a lot of coaches is that in any realm, whether it's you're calling your coaches managers or you're calling them accountants, whatever they are, it's, I don't think you could just say there's only one way to do something. It's understanding tools and strategies. Like what you just said is LA does it this way. Nashville does it this way. Pop does it this way. It's understanding the different tools and then saying, hey, but what's going to work for you? I'm going to give yeah. you these options of how we could possibly do that. And I'm coaching you and saying what feels right, what's right. going to motivate you, and what is going to give you the best return on your time, your happiness, and financially. I don't know if it was Bruce Lee or somebody said it best. A master is someone that can teach it to you however many different ways until you get it. I think a master is called a master, not because they've mastered anything, except the fact that they can give it to you multiple ways until you understand it, we won't be moving forward. You said it yourself. You got to find out who they are, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. You really got to understand who you're dealing with because most people are like, why can't I get this right? Why can't I get this right? And it has nothing to do with what you're looking at. It's way before that, you know? I do a discovery with my clients where we're building as we go. And as I'm hearing information, I'm building, then creating visuals, because sometimes you might say it, but when you see it, right, it doesn't make sense anymore. You said it doesn't make sense anymore? Yeah. Say, for instance, you as Christian, I'll use you as an example. If you say, okay, my goal is to make 100K this year. I want to have half of them in country and half in other genres. Okay, cool. Let's look at what your data looked like from last year. You might say last year I was 70% in country and 30% in all the other genres. Does this actually make sense in alignment with you or not? Let's figure out your strategy behind which way you will go. Because sometimes you might say I'm 50-50 on both sides. If you look at what the data is saying from the past and you realize all the different changes that you might have to make, it may not feel good. It may not be easy. And so how do you mix what feels good, which also is going to give you success, push you, and financially move you in the positive direction? It totally makes sense. You say something, but you don't see something. I love that you said that. It happens in the same way in the studio where someone thinks they want to say something or sing something like this. And then I'm, we'll just sing it then. Sing it. Let's hear it back on these speakers. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, no that doesn't sound good. I think the only reason I'm pretty good at hearing things before they're done is because I've just done so many things. What do they say? 
lost more times than you've tried. I think that's it. I've just written so many songs. Like people only see the successful that have been a handful, but thousands of songs I've written. So and that's the delayed gratification piece. It's putting in the work, not knowing if you're going to get there, but knowing if you don't do the work, you're definitely not going to get there. And then that's the other thing too. For me, I'm just built different. Um, there's a lot of people that want to be rich. There's a lot of people that want to get there. I just never came at it like that. Like the money follows the art. You know what I'm saying? The fame follows the work. And so the process is what I was attracted to. Lightning can strike, you can win the lottery, those kind of things. But if you're not attracted to the process, you'll probably burn out before you get to the progress. You're very quotable. Do you know that? <laughs> I have been told that I talk in song terms. So you do. I love it. I talk in metaphors and lyric and everything else. Everything is a vibe. Everything is a color. Everything is, that's just me. I have so enjoyed all this time. But before we wrap up, I love to ask my guests five rapid questions and they're called Thrive in Five. Are you down to answer some quickies for me? I hope so. I've always loved the quickie. <laughs> All right. So, number one, how do you bring your quirk into work? Man, front door, just bring it on in, you know what I mean? Just be you. You don't help anybody by turning your light down. I love it. Who is doing something outside the box that inspires you and why? Wow. My buddy Mams with Prime, he's shaking up boxing right now with the whole, like, influencers boxing against old fighters. I just love everybody. I just think we're in such a cool time. I love that everyone is just switching it up and just seeing where it lands. And I think it's a fun time. I think there's an aura and a vibe of just do it different. You know what I'm saying? I think Prime and Mams is a great example. My background is in CPG, so packaging and working in retail my children talk about prime all of the time oh look i'm a rhyme you see that i rhyme too they talk about it all the time i'm watching him as a case study saying this guy is absolutely brilliant i 100 think it's insane all right here's another one when was the last time you did something for the first time that's a good one i'd like to say every day um, I've always looked at things, even as stupid as like building this, this house, I just felt like I look at people and it's like, if they can do it, I can do it. I'm YouTube certified because you can literally watch anybody do anything. We didn't have that growing up. No, if you didn't get taught a trade by someone and go get in their life and learn it, I get at my kids a little bit because it's broke. You literally can type in eighth grade soccer workout and go outside with mm. your tablet and do everything. Like you have no excuse. No one has any excuse anymore. I'm big on that though. I am Ricky Bobby's dad. You ain't first, you last on your own kind of deal. Knowledge is literally at our fingertips. You can start a podcast and blow up if you just get up and do it every day. And if you don't blow up, then you suck. And <laughs> you should take notice of that and go do something else. It's the truth, though. If we work hard, 
And listen even harder, the path is laid out. So I try something new all the time. All right. So if you were to write your autobiography right now, today, what would be the last sentence in your book? It's not over. I love it. All right. And the final one is what does it mean to you to thrive differently? What does it mean to me to thrive differently? Man, there's so much there. I think it's to definitely be switching it up. I hope that we realize and we see that doing stuff differently isn't throwing away what has worked. We need to stand on shoulders. We don't need to cut a new path. We need to just reinvent the path. Once you respect those things, truly respect what was done and how it was done, only then can you be successful in thriving differently. That's wonderful. Not just saying there's one way to think or do things, because then that to me is not being open-minded and there's no growth well, or education. One of the most craziest things to me, because I'm always just in my head all the time, it's like I don't understand how people don't see the contradiction. If there's not just one way of doing things, there's got to be room for everybody. Like that whole joke, your offense is offending me. You know what I'm saying? You can't throw it all the way out. You have to add to it. you got to stand on it. Ultimately, if we do that with love, then that's the way we drive differently. And it actually grows. Otherwise, it won't. Absolutely. So this has been amazing. I loved hearing more about your story. I loved that so much strategy actually came out in this, which I didn't even know it would, but it was really cool to kind of throw it around with you and hear the differences of what we do and how they really do connect in some ways. Well, the they, they do. All of it is just the thing. It's whatever the thing is, whether it's music, whether it's fucking stocks, it's still being pushed forward. The thing is being pushed forward by people that have emotions, that have love, that have strengths, that have weaknesses. So at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. It's just a different thing we're doing. Absolutely. I love it. So before we sign out here, where can people find out more about Christian Stallnecker? Tell us where we can find you or maybe some things that we could look out for too. Yeah, Instagram is uh, Stallnecker underscore S-T-A-L. N as in no, E-C-K-E-R, and then the underscore. And I guess if anything else fun is going on, I post it there. Or I'm in the story or whatever. Other than that, I'm pretty normal guy and try to stay out of the limelight, which might be changing soon, but we'll see. To be heard in the future. I like it. There's some reasons to follow you. There's some exciting things on the pipeline, and I have a feeling you've alluded to that quite a few times today. Yeah, there's a few things going on. That's amazing. Christian, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I am so grateful Thanks to have had me. you on today. And I am so excited to watch your success unfold and hear all the exciting things. Thank you so much. I feel the same about you. And I just think that you're finally stepping. In. You probably were stepping into your calling before, but I think coaching as a whole for what we need for the soul is something that's out there and definitely needed. And I hope you're shining your light everywhere. Thank you so much. All I right, really girl. appreciate it.